Wardcast episode 114. Go. I'm Dylan Vento, and and today, yo, ah, 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 I like that. I like you're ready. I'm ready to go. My, Michael Listo, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, it's what is it? Three days after Turkey Day. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm um, I'm doing pretty good. It's you know pretty quiet around here, so things are hanging in. Yeah. Um. So. You, uh, we were connected by, uh, Alex, uh, co-host of the podcast, um, cause you guys, you're originally from around here, right? And then you also, you two also went to SCAD together? Yeah, so I'm from Chester, Virginia, and I knew Alex in high school. We weren't the best of friends, but, you know, I could talk to him if I saw him, uh, ended up going to the same college together, hung out a lot more, became roommates, and now I, you know, I consider Alex in my group of best friends. Oh, Awesome. But so currently you are a motion capture stage technician at 2K out in California. Yes, that's correct. Cool. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, obviously, I think anyone that works in games kind of has like a rough understanding of like how mocap works. But uh, how specifically does your does your role work? Yeah, yeah. So uh, 2K, obviously, like my title says, it's a stage technician. So I'm more on the... Uh, stage end of things as opposed to the farther away post version so you know we're responsible for doing things on set um so for instance like if you watch movies behind the scenes even on games do it now in featurettes you'll see the guy in the funny suit with the balls on it so we're you know responsible for putting all those on the actor and then we'll run through it with them on set well you know we build props for them to interact with that work on our stage and you can't because you can't just build a prop the same way you might normally would you have to think about how to make it work with this and it's you know really interesting job because um at least in my position there's a large variety of things between being on set doing some technical stuff to help out testing days and stuff like that cool um so like what kinds of like examples can you give of like what I mean, I I'm not sure like what you're allowed to say in terms of what games you're you've worked on or not. I guess it depends on like where they are in terms of development. Like if one is already inching closer to release, I guess you're allowed to say if you're on it, if you've worked on it or not. Or well, I mean, obviously, you know, 2K games. So 2K. I'll, I'll, let me start by saying like kind of how 2K is broken up, and this is all public information, so it's no big deal. Um, so you used to have 2K Sports. Now it's just 2K, essentially. And then, uh, so we were responsible for everything that goes through 2K. So our developers would be like, one of them is called uh, Visual Concepts. So they're responsible for our major games, which are <clears throat> NBA and NBA 2K, obviously, and WWE Raw. So those are the big games everyone knows we have. Uh, Hangar 13 is another amazing studio. They recently just did Mafia 3. So I'm not sure what they're working on now. But again, amazing guys. And uh, then 2K technically owns uh, Gearbox, so Borderlands and stuff. And we also are, uh, I guess, sort of like a sister company, I guess, is kind of Rockstar. So they're kind of affiliated with us, but they're not like, we don't do their work for them. Right. I would assume they would have their own separate stuff over in uh, yeah. wherever they're headquartered, where Rockstar North yep. is in, in the UK. Yep. So yeah, so you know everyone knows we have NBA and WWE, and those are some awesome games to definitely work on. Especially you get a, a huge appreciation for it when you see you know all the work that goes into it firsthand. Right, it's with the with the mocap alone, I'm sure. Um, and so do you. So for like the sports titles, uh, do they bring in the actual athletes, or is it just like, hey, we got a body double that's like a rock, a rough approximation of Steph Curry, and he's gonna he's gonna be the body double for Steph Curry. It'll always depend on the specific needs of the project. We uh, Generally, we don't have huge actors, but we like to bring them in when we're able to. I mean, that's really what it comes down to because, you know, when you are when you get that famous, you have a very busy schedule, a very conflicting schedule, especially, right. you know, with WWE and those guys are traveling all over the place and NBA. So, you know, we bring in who we can and they're still amazing, you know, athletes and stuff. It's awesome. So uh, I feel like an important kind of sidebar here is are you a sports or wrestling fan uh i mean so i'll be honest this way I, i'm not a huge fan of playing sports because 
or not playing, excuse me, watching sports, I would right. rather be playing myself. Like that to me, that is the experience is playing it myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, and same with video games and stuff for everything for me. I don't like to be a passive spectator. I want to be a participant. I, I think it's funny though, because, you know, working on, <clears throat> you know, interacting with like wrestling in any regard, like I feel like a lot of people in, in games have some, it's weird. There's like a weird intersection between people in games and people that like enjoy wrestling. I found like, like a lot of podcasts I follow, like somehow wrestling always comes up, but, uh, you know, I would not consider myself a wrestling fan at all. And, um, I'm very curious, like how many people are it, it separating like the art of motion capture and the art of, you know, uh, 3d modeling and 3d animation from like the subject matter i think is really fascinating right right like yeah same here like i was never you know the hugest fan of wrestling like you know you watch it on tv and it's you know they do like all their drama and they're talking and stuff and you know and for me that gets a little old pretty quick and i'm just like all right you know just punch the guy already or something but <laughs> give him the chair come on but being in the uh being in the studio and witnessing like like the moves these guys can do like firsthand you know there's no talking it's just like hey we need you to do a move and they do it and you know it's like a crazy flip or i don't know what it is but it's it's i got a you know a whole new appreciation for it and it's really awesome to watch so do you guys have to build a ring like a separate ring for doing the motion capture of the animations or is it just like your regular motion capture stage and then you have them do the animations for uh, that we have well we have a uh we do we do have a wrestling ring. I'm trying to think of what the name of it would be. It's just wrestling ring, but we yeah, do have so. one. We get set up, and um, I believe you could actually probably see that on you know if you looked on YouTube or anything. We had they do have publicly released videos of you know that. So I know um, for the most recent game was 2K18 for WWE. Excuse me. Um, they brought in uh, what's his name? Now I'm blanking on the name. I know it too. Uh, I want to say Shane McMahon. I believe. Okay. And it was a big promo video because, you know, we like to bring in stars when we can. And so he came in and I wasn't here yet, unfortunately, so I didn't get to meet him. But, you know, it's cool now watching the video back. And so you can see, like, we really have a ring set up and it's, you know, accurate to actual wrestling ring you see, like, on TV or if you actually go. That's pretty cool. And does that and that, I assume that's like some sort of permanent fixture in your motion capture uh, department or studio? Like you can't. No, nope, oh, no, nope. you... we we dismantle it. It's dismantled oh, okay. and then re uh, reassembled. When we, you know, it we our stage changes a lot based on the shoots. So oh, cool. We're constantly doing a lot of work. You know, we have we had uh, like I said, we have NBA, so it's a basketball court. We have a basketball hoop. WWE, so we bring out the wrestling ring. And I wasn't there for it, but when they were doing Mafia, they had to build all like you know. Oh like, no! The different bunch, sets, bunch and of stuff. chest high walls and bunch of antebellum houses yep things like that but you know it's funny like building a set for motion capture is a lot different than like in film or stage because you might build like a wall and you're like this is this is your chest high cover wall and then you have to build it open because the cameras the mocap camera still need to see through it so it's got like it looks like a picket fence because it's got huge slats between it right um interesting because because the 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 balls on the suit they're they're just a reflective material right so yeah, that's, it's really cool the way it works. What happens is like each uh, marker is coated. It's essentially like glass, like grinded up into dust and then okay. stuck to like a special gray tape. That's essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. And so all these cameras around the studio, they're emitting like infrared light. So basically picture like, I don't know if you've seen war footage and you see like the IR camera from the helicopter. It's basically that. Right. And all that reflects off the markers back into the camera. And so you, if you block that, you know, it, it gets hidden and well, you lose that, you lose that data. So obviously you can work with some being lost and you can interpret, you know, interpret it based on, you know, what you've actually seen if you were there that day or if you have reference video, but you know, sometimes just, you have to make sure the best you can to not hide as many markers as possible. Right. But that's not the, the interpreting the data. That's not your responsibility, right? You record all of the, the, the motion capture footage and you hand that off to the animators, I would assume. Yeah, so uh, pedal, so the main building for 2K is in, a, I don't know if you're aware, it's in a, the old Air Force hangars, Hamilton Air Force Police, I believe, in Novato, California. So okay. I make a point here. So Alex once mentioned that I'm in L.A. I'm not in L.A. I'm in the North Bay of San Francisco. Oof. 
I corrected no, him. I corrected him after that episode. He already knows. Man, don't mess up NorCal and SoCal, man. But yeah, so I'm in the North Bay area. So 2K headquarters in, is in Novato. Um, I believe Telltale Games is also in Novato. So it's pretty cool. I'm not entirely sure, though. Um, I think they're in San Jose. Or at okay. least it used to be. I might be mistaken. Maybe I'm another sure. branch. I don't know. I, th- I thought that's right. what someone told me. I could be wrong. Okay. But then, uh, so that's where 2K headquarters is. And then the mocap studio. So we're not in the main building. We're on our own little island out in uh, Petaluma, which is oh, another cool. 20 yeah. minutes north. So yep, yep, yep. gorgeous little town up here. It's great. But um, yeah, so our building is really small. There aren't many people at our building because we're just a dedicated mocap team studio. So we have, you know, half of us are stage guys and half of us are, you know, post guys upstairs. Okay, cool. So how how does your pipeline work for that? Like, I assume communication between like guys capturing and the guys in post is pretty, pretty streamlined. Like it's easy for someone to run upstairs or downstairs and be like, hey, we need, we need this or we need to re-record this. Yeah, basically. I mean, usually, usually the guys on set will be like, hey, was that good? Or, oh, it's not good enough. We need to re-record it or something. So we're, we're pretty quick on that. Obviously, that's getting a bit more into proprietary, you know, information right. yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all intents and purposes, yeah, we have a really easy line of communication with us and the guys upstairs. And as soon as there's a problem, we're always pretty good about getting onto it. Cool. Um, are you allowed to talk about staff size at all on your team or no? For uh, I'm not sure. So I'm going to say no, just because I'm not sure. All right, safe. Good. But it's like it's it. small. Let's say it's small. Okay. okay. Um, Smaller than you think. <laughs> cool. That's 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 really cool. I'm really I'm always interested in kind of like in in corporate structures for for larger studios and how they hmm. kind of how they get all the things done that they need to get done. Yeah, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, corporate structures is a bit more <laughs> inside the company kind of thing. Oh, Not sure. Really yeah. Talk about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you you said as much a minute ago, but just making a statement that like. Interesting mm-hmm. how that how that process theoretically works. Um, what about so so you do all the in house work, and I would assume you don't do any out house work. Like two K doesn't like lease you guys to another company or anything, right? Or do people like it's all <laughs> proprietary? It's all you don't borrow. Let the studio be borrowed. The motion yeah. capture studio be borrowed. By not not that I am aware of at all. Like obviously, you know, I am still pretty new. I've not been here very long. About but, three months, right? Yeah, I think might actually be two, even. Okay. Yeah, so about two months. So I'm still new, but as far as I know, that's never had to happen. Um, any you know, two K property comes through us, so you know, everyone knows. You know, I guess like I've we like we've said before, we do basketball, we do WWE, we did Mafia, and we also did a mocap for like XCOM because okay. Fra- Fraxis is uh, they're in Maryland, you know, Baltimore. Yeah, they're Maryland. real close. Yeah, yeah. And so we've done, we did the XCOM stuff. Now civilization is, I think they do on their own, but we do, you know, we've handled XCOM. We've handled, we, uh, we did, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've done a lot more and you realize that a lot of it, you know, 2K, because we used to be 2K sports, we used to have a lot more sports properties. It wasn't just NBA and WWE. We used to have more, but you know, things change as time goes on. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, um, you mentioned civilization. I would wonder if like how many, if any mocap, animations you would need for a game like civilization i mean obviously you have units walking around but Mm -hmm. my assumption would have been that they would just hand animate those because they're so small and kind of exaggerated and not Mm -hmm. meant to be realistic because i would assume you need exaggerated animations to be able to see them from a scale but you also have like the the in-game representations for each like civilization like leader so george washington and cleopatra and whatever yeah, I'm. I'm really not sure. I I want to. I want to say they hand key it all. I really don't know. Obviously, I'm not part of Firaxis, Right. But I want to say for Civilization, it's all hand keyed because you know they have some amazing animators on their team, and you know they know it looks great in their game. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So obviously, mocap is is. Would that does that include under that umbrella? Would that include facial capture, or is that a whole separate thing? Yeah. No. That that, that would still absolutely encap. Uh, I can you know and capture that. So, um, trying to think of how it's so some studios. So this definitely this is not us, but or not specifically us. Uh, different studios will have they'll call it motion capture, and that's just body stuff. And they'll say they have performance capture, and that's face stuff. Uh, some some people just say performance captures any kind of motion capture doesn't matter what it is. And so it it really just it will vary by studio. Like I think you know when you're on the outside looking in, you're like. 
you know, oh, there's all these amazing studios and look at the cool work that's possible and hundreds of guys doing it. But then when you, you know, you're studying it and then you get into the industry and you're like, Hey, we, we have a new guy coming in. Oh, who's the new guy? Oh, I don't know. He's some guy from some other studio. Hey, I know that guy. And you don't realize how small it is until you're part of it. Right. I mean, you know, relatively, it's still kind of large, but at the same time, like everyone knows almost everyone. Right. Cause people like to think like, game developer game designer circles like you know programmers or or designers but um i would assume there's just a motion capture circle or animation circle of like all the all the people in the in the bay area that probably you know do happy hours and cocktail hours together and and talk and all that stuff yeah yeah no totally like you know one of the big things is like especially between film and games like um yearly production schedules are so much different and you don't realize it until again you know so you think like most games are set up to come out like you know around the end of the year like october november maybe you know towards the end of september too you know that's right. when most games come out but you know movies they got to come out either they hit their you know summer big blockbusters or you get your christmas holiday season so you're you know your production schedule changes so i come into work i first started and you know it was pretty like we were we were pretty um not very heavily worked i guess best way to put it like we were pretty empty because we were you know setting things up and the game was about to come out so we were you know like i said not very busy and now that you know the year is going to ramp up we're going to start getting into it but then some people are like oh we're not that busy right now like i have friends in commercials and they're like oh god you know we're dying right now because super bowl or whatever and so you don't i guess you don't really realize it until you're involved with it, how crazy it gets and how different it is. So I would assume, so obviously most of your, most of your team's work would take place during the, like during production, like chief production. Like do you have much pre or post production work in terms of the game cycle to work on? Um, from my experience, it seems like it's just honestly just pretty much year round. Like, you know, it could the we the game could come out in like a month and they'd be like you know we need a couple we missed a couple things maybe and so you know they have a shoot day and we're gonna get some stuff done mm-hmm. it obviously you know the main parts of the year is gonna be earlier because the earlier you get the earlier it is the more stuff you can get done under less under pressure but you know it changes a lot it also makes sense since you know 2K has has yearly game franchises that release every year with like the, the the basketball games and other sports titles. So it would make sense that you guys would have like a constant flow of stuff to be working on. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's definitely the yearly properties are, you know, I, I, I mean, I'll be entirely honest that I wasn't the craziest person about like the NBA and WWE games just because, I mean, not because I thought, you know, any reason, just I never played them. I was always busy playing like shooters and you know, right. RPG type games. And then I work here now and you know, I, I have, I definitely have a newfound appreciation for what goes into these games. Like even for something like basketball, I'm like, you know, even before I was probably like, Oh, it's basketball. How hard is it? And now I'm here. It's like, you know, a lot of work goes in these games. And it's really amazing to see like everyone coming together and working on it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish, I wish more people had had the opportunity to understand the amount of work that, that goes into making some of these tiles, especially when you see, you know, consumers or fans or gamers be kind of you know unappreciative of of the work that goes in and i think we as industry and we as a people that play games should be able to separate like you know talking about the game from like a critical or qualitative standpoint and then also saying that like therefore all the people who worked on it sucked and all of that stuff yeah it it, it is a shame you know when you see that like i mean now because we're talking about it now like i literally right before uh, my phone call, you know, before our stream, I was reading through a Reddit article because Andy Serkis... That was your likes, first mistake, Michael. Yeah, that was my first mistake. The article is whatever, but the comments, of course, are always cancerous. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was just an article about, you know, Andy Serkis saying, you know, should there, there should perhaps be a separate Oscar award for motion capture work. And, you know, I think... And then I read through the comments and everyone's like, oh, you know, it's just this because Andy Serkis sucks. And, oh, we got, you know, it's just a marker suit and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about at all. <laughs> I understand the sentiment. And like, I, I know everyone's like, oh, apparently Andy Serkis is terrible and he hates, you know, he doesn't, he's not appreciative at all. And mm. I don't know if he is or not. You know, I, at, people can skew an article however they want. 
but you know i'm like it's it's a it's a lot of work both on the actor's part and on the team's work like it's everyone working together you know knowing nothing about you know acting i would assume using a motion capture shoot to act your role would be even harder because then you even like further have to divorce yourself from like hey i'm in this skin tight spandex bodysuit with all these reflective markers on me like mm-hmm. i have to i have to ignore all that so i can play the role yeah i think people don't realize like you know we don't really have the issue I, you know, I haven't had the issue firsthand cuz people i've worked with both at 2k and you know even when i was doing stuff at scad everyone's you know always excited about it. and you're like man this is so cool i can't wait to do you know this x project or whatever but when someone's never done it before i'm you know i'm sure there's a lot of like I don't know if discomfort is the right word, but you know, again, like like you just said, they're in this you know skin tight suit. It's not spandex, but you know, skin tight with all the markers on it. And I'm sure some of them are like, you know, when they're when you're the only guy out on set, and there's like you know, think about your entire crew of camera guys, lighters, grip equipment, everything. They're watching you. You probably might feel kind of foolish, right, or kind of silly. And I I totally get that if you've never done it before and it's something you're not used to. And so Andy Circus is you know. He's done what he's done. I I still love seeing his performances and I still enjoy it. And I think in the end, that's really what matters. Like I, you know, I guess I know it's both him and the team. Like the team is taking what he's done and just adding to it a lot. Obviously adding a lot to it. Sometimes redoing entire parts over again because, you know, maybe things just maybe didn't work out on set or maybe it didn't fit something later on. Reshoots. I don't know. I really don't. But I know it's a huge collaborative effort. I really appreciate all the work that goes into it, especially being part of it. And I think like we were mentioning to wrap it back, you know, people sometimes just don't realize what is actually going into it, what is going through it. You know, everyone's talking together as a huge team. And, you know, as we've both mentioned, you know, working in games in films in commercials and whatever, like, you know, it's not just one person that comes in and can, and just, you know, screws it up because of reasons like it's a huge team trying to do their best. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of controversy, especially with Star Wars Battlefront. And I can't really speak to that at all. Obviously, I don't work at EA. But I know, like, especially working, you know, 2K and NBA, like, everyone that comes into our studio, they're doing, they come in knowing what they need to do because they want their game to be awesome and they want people to love their game. Right. Like, I've seen for the Star Wars Battlefront 2 stuff, I've seen, like, uh, Janina Gavankar, uh, She's like she plays the the main character in the in the single player campaign, and she had like a big presence at E three on EA's booth. Uh, she did like the Giant Bomb nightly show, gave an interview there, and she seems like a very like awesome, articulate, like very interested in games um, and passionate about her work. And I mean, it and it's, it's a shame for all the people that worked on it, for everyone at Dice that worked on it, but also from all the actors like. You know, she's obviously not wading into the controversy about the loot boxes, but you know, it's it's a shame that she went in and gave her passionate, you know, performance as as this main character, and it's her likeness in the game, and then that has to be, you know, then uh, that is then attached to all the the con- controversy mm-hmm. and anger that's surrounding the game. Yeah, it is a huge shame, like especially when you have actors come in. And, you know, you can tell they're excited. Like, even if they've never done it before, even if, you know, like I mentioned before, maybe they feel a little silly in this suit. Like, once they get into it, they're having, they're usually having a blast and they're excited. They're, you know, there's some awesome people to work with. And, you know, speaking like when we have the wrestlers come in and we're sitting around, you know, for whatever reason and you get to talk to them and, you know, they're really excited to do what they're there to do. Like, they really love it and they love being a part of the, you know, the games or whatever it is they're doing that day. And they're awesome people. And like you said, the girl at Battlefront, like, I'm sure she went in there and was like, I'm going to be part of a Star Wars project. This is amazing. Holy crap. Like, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be in the movies, but like, this is Star Wars. And I'm sure she was super excited about that. And then, you know, all this controversy that's come out from the gaming community and from EA's company, however, you know, however you feel about the issue, like, I'm sure she was just, I feel really bad that she got caught up in all this when she wanted to be an actor who was having an awesome time. And, you know, in Star Wars project. Right. Yeah. And, and and I do like watching like behind the scenes footage of, of the motion capture stage. The very little I have. Um, I think I saw some like uncharted footage once of, of Nolan North doing, doing his acting. And um, I think I saw some Halo stuff once, but the best one 
I think I saw uh, who was Ellen Page when she was doing Beyond Two Souls that David Cage game. Uh, they were doing like a uh, uh, a dinner scene, and it's just all of these actors doing like doing this dinner scene, but they're all in the motion capture mm-hmm. here, and it's like there's no food on the table. It's like just a blank white table, and like they're yeah. all just clutching like forks, and they're all pretending to eat, and it it's fascinating. Yeah. It's 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 good to see that you know the actors can still fall into their role even with like what some might consider like disadvantages to you know or hurdles to mm-hmm. to their acting yeah yeah it, it's crazy and then you know like any industry motion capture is constantly trying to push itself like you know they we, we're pushed to do a lot of things on our projects you know to try and keep doing new stuff and like you were just talking about so you know one of the big things is i guess this you know it's a good time to talk about some more in motion capture so the main kind of motion capture is we call it, you know, it's retro reflective or passive. So that's just where you wear a suit. It's reflective, but they don't really do anything except reflect the light that the cameras are doing themselves. You know, that's, that's, that's been the standard that's been going on since, you know, Polar Express, you know, way back. I'll say way back, but you know, a while ago, that's, that's right. the standard. And now we're starting to see um, a wave of, you know, cheaper, I don't say cheaper, but like, less expensive options like motion capture is really expensive like you can go on to the different motion capture websites and you know you'll see like these cameras are insanely expensive i couldn't i couldn't afford one and let alone you know, the array of them that you need yeah let alone like you know the minimum of like maybe eight or 12 that you would need and plus even more of your big studio so you know, it's just super expensive. So one of the inexpensive options is uh, we're calling it. It's got a couple different names. It's either like IMUs, which is inertial movement, or kinetic suits, whichever you want to call it. So that's like you'll wear a suit with all these little like sensor type diodes at like may- maybe like your main joints or parts of your body that are pretty rigid. And so it's a think of it like a magnometer or a gyroscope in your phone. Okay. For instance, so it's calculating as you're moving your body. It kind of is able to calculate, you know, based on the way the gyroscopes are moving, how your arms and limbs are moving. It's really interesting. It's really cool, you know. But one of the hardest things right now is finger capture. That's one of the hardest things. People don't realize how insanely hard. Like every time you see fingers in a game and they're moving, that was most likely hand keyed from right. scratch. You know, so why just give people oven mitts for hands? Pretty much, yeah. So, like, you know, it's really hard to do fingers because, you know, obviously they have, they're really tight, close together. So, if you do reflective markers, everything's going to start mixing up because it doesn't know which finger it is. Or the way you cheat it is, you know, you kind of just put one on a couple fingers and it just guesses, like, okay, you're either open handed or you're closed handed. And, you know, it's, it's all kinds of craziness and you don't realize, like, how much is going on with it. I mean, it's, it's really funny too. I'm kind of disappointed Alex couldn't be here with us today because, you know, like obviously, like I said, you know, I consider Alex my best one of my best friend groups, and so we often have our own discussions on gaming, especially like when you guys do the podcast shows. And me and Alex are known to disagree on a lot of things. <laughs> For example, where you live? Is it L.A.? Is it yeah, the Bay exactly. Area? Who knows? Me, me and Alex would tend to disagree on a lot of things, um, and sometimes that's you know just how it is, and sometimes I'm playing very strong devil's advocate just for you know to ask the questions especially you know it just depends on the issue you know we, we see things differently and i i really like having conversations with alex because we have such wildly differing viewpoints on a lot of things yeah i, I feel the same way with um with the podcast group because um you know i view i view will and sam in particular they're they're more like the the indie the underground counterculture mm-hmm. uh iconoclast whereas the alex and i kind of see things a little more commercial a little more you mm-hmm. know grander scope in terms of the industry and stuff like you know i had alex on for our post e3 discussion because i knew alex had a lot of things to say whereas will and sam were you know self-admittedly like yeah i don't have a lot to say about e3 because <laughs> that's just not that's not my wheelhouse um yeah but yeah it, it is interesting having these these different perspectives but especially with like someone from you who you know is in an actual studio and being like being able to step in and be like, okay, here's where your assumptions about how studios work is wrong and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Whereas us being indies, we're, you know, we're making as many assumptions as we can and trying to work from, from the pieces that we're gleaning from, from reports and writing and, and all these other types of things. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I, you know, I, I do want to reiterate, like, I am still very new with the company, so I'm pretty sure. bottom of the totem pole. Right. Yeah. And um, but you know, definitely, I is a lot of the, you know perspective does change when you know just from something that simple, and I really see how you know things are done. Like, I didn't expect to come in and say like, oh, these game developers are so evil; they're trying to steal money from people. <laughs> Look, what is this crap? <laughs> I didn't expect that. Like, you know, I expected, I w- you know, I was going in more for, I love motion capture. That's why I went to SCAD for. So I was like, I'm ready to do motion capture. Let's do it. This is awesome. Mocap is awesome. I don't care what it's for. And then you work with a lot of people and, you know, they really enjoy it. They really love the games. And you're like, all right, well, you know, I, I guess maybe, I guess sometimes when we're out like on the outside, you forget that how much, you know, these people really do care about what they're doing. Like you put in some crazy time, some crazy hours sometimes. And, you know, it gets it gets busy. It gets tough. But you realize you're continuing to do it. You know, people constantly ask and you'll see those forums. Everyone's like, oh, VFX needs to unionize and blah, 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 blah. And they're always like, why do you why do you let yourselves be degraded like that? And it's like, well, you know, a lot of us, I mean, there are some who do see it that way, but a lot of us don't feel like we're being degraded because you're just part of an amazing team. And that's what you wanted to be a part of. And you wanted to you wanted to work on like an amazing project or an amazing game. You never know where you're going to end up. You might be at this studio in the same in another year. You might be at two different studios in another year. But you forget like people are doing it because they love it and they're not out to get you. They really do love the, the games. They love the processes and they they just want to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me, like you were saying, of like you having this 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 love for motion capture. I remember uh, Ben Kachera from from Polygon once was talking about how they hired writers and he was talking about how um uh, he would ask people if they couldn't write for Polygon or for like games enthusiast press, he'd ask them what they what else they'd be doing. And if someone said, uh, "Oh, I'd probably do something else in games," I'd be like, you know, a, a community manager, or maybe I'd work like do like narrative design or something for a studio. You know, he'd be like, "Oh, okay." Um, but if someone said, "I'd just go write about something else," like I'd go try work for a newspaper or something, he'd be like, "That's the person I want because we're not, you know, this this isn't this the subject matter is games, but it also expands so far beyond games that you have to you want you need to be passionate about writing, not just about video games." So yeah, absolutely. Like I was, you know, it was funny because when I was at SCAD, obviously I. I, you know, I was originally going to go into game design, which is what Alex went into, right? game development. And then I think before I actually, like right before I went, I switched over to what's at SCAD, it was called the visual effects major. So the good way I think of the difference is, I don't know if you know, or if Alex knows, or not Alex knows, but if he's, if he's explained it, is that, so games obviously is, game design is design. It's art and it's how you do design principles of a game how do you make a good game mechanics design wise good choices blah 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 animation is animation that's the major you expect and then visual effects is more like we were like the straight up like hey here's art make it pretty and that was our major and so that's kind of why i ended up going to visual effects i was like i want to be able to do as much of the art as possible so that way i'm not like you know too focused i can kind of switch around if i need to because it's still just the art stuff so I went into SCAD wanting to do be an effects artist, which would be, at least in film, is, you know, big smoke and fire explosions and water sims and everything. And I just didn't have the patience to, like, click the sim button and wait, like, 25 minutes for it to look like, <laughs> for it to look like crap, change right. the number from 0.01 to 0.02, and then wait another 25 minutes for it. You know, I, I just didn't have the patience for it. So then when I took the motion capture and I was like, you know, this is pretty awesome. I, I can do this. And, you know, the, the only thing that limits me is having the equipment. But, I mean, at SCAD, I have it. So, let's do it. Interesting. Um, so, did VFX also include, like, like other types of CG as well? Or is it just, like you are saying before, the, the fire and, and different types of kind of uh, background effects? At, at SCAD, it was, um, it was, you know, it was like everything, all the art stuff. So, it would be, you know, it would be modeling. It would be digital sculpting, texturing, lighting, and you know basically the whole pipeline um besides like animation and then obviously like game design choices but other than that it was essentially everything that would go into making a movie right okay so like it, if it were a game design pipeline you'd basically be able to hand the animator a finished model and then they would rig it and um or you'd give them the rigger as well i would assume and then they would they would animate the rig yeah it would always vary like i know at scat i think i think the rigging classes were technically an animation so i think people did that but 
I'm not entirely sure. I know I learned rigging on my own, my own time. So mm-hmm. everything that I rigged, like even in my senior film, uh, I rigged it all myself and did basically all the work minus the textures. I, you know, I had some friends do that for me. But other than that, like I did all the motion capture, did performance capture, did lighting, modeling, well, pretty much everything. Uh, was all the motion capture? How'd you how'd you get your your uh, actors for the motion capture? Um, so I was you know due to some scad clubs, I was friends with a guy who was a performing arts major, and so okay, so my uh, senior film was a Warhammer forty thousand fan film. All right, all right, and it's you know if you know Warhammer, it's super cheesy, but it's great. And so I knew somebody in performing arts, and he was a friend of mine, and turned out he also liked Warhammer. So I just asked him, I was like, hey. Do you want to act in my senior film? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to. So he got into it. And then I had some girl join up and, you know, she was really cool. We did like a couple of rehearsals and then she just stopped replying and flaked out on me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks. So we did it. We come into the shoot. You know, it took like two or three different days to record all the mocap because. Okay. Uh, so I guess a little more in idea, you know, production. So when you do like more cinematic or film-based work, you divide your work into shots. It's it's called shot work. You know, in a game, you might make an animation and it's just a nice loop or walking or running or, you know, he's doing a punch or whatever it is. I don't know. But in, you know, in film biz effects, you know, stuff like, I'm sure like Pixar does it, you know, ILM, like wherever you are, they do shot work where, you know, you're assigned a shot and you do that shot and you do the next shot and you keep going. So my film was 36 shots different uh you know anytime and literally anytime the camera cuts to a different one it's a shot if it's a long pan it's not a shot but if it cuts so that's why when you see movies and they're like this film had over 1300 cg shots and people are like oh that's a lot because 1300 it's like well you you ask it's a lot but you don't know why it's a lot but then you also realize a shot can be like maybe that three second cut where like michael bay does like his camera flick and that's a shot even if it's like half a second, that's still okay. a shot. So you might be working on this shot <laughs> where you did like a spark and that was it because it was so quick. This 30 minute movie has over 6,000 shots. Mm-hmm. And they're each like two and a half frames long. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people don't realize that is definitely that's how film tends to work compared to games. So when you're doing shot work, you're filming it, you know, OK, here's a camera angle. That's a shot. Here's a camera, that's a shot. So when I was doing my film. I, you know, I had done a whole previs for it uh, myself, hand keyed. Obviously, it wasn't good because it's previs. So it's, you know, really simple. Like he floats across the ground and turns <laughs> with like a stiff see, hand. Like T pose, just T posing no, everywhere. He, he wasn't T posed. I had the arms rigged. So he had a sword in it. Okay. But, um, you know, so I, I couldn't know how the shots were. So when the girl stopped replying, I was like, well, all right, how am I going to get around this? How am I going to get around this? So the first day we did it, he came in and I was like, all right, well, we're going to do every single shot that only has one person, one character in it. You know, all the shots only have one character. So we came in and he played both characters. So we got like all one character done, you know, and then we went back through it again, back in order and did all the shots with the other character. You know, and even if like, if say if it was just like him shooting a gun from mm-hmm. like a, pist- a pistol from three different angles, I would just say stand there, hold the gun and just do like a firing animation with your arm. Like make it look like you're just recoiling. He's like, okay. And then he'd do it. And I'm like, all right, we're gonna do two more takes of that just in case. Click. And then we do two more takes. And then we're like, all right, the next shot. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna do it again from the other side. And even though it's not quite the same as film, the idea is that I, you know, I had to, you had to break it down into how you know how do you make it work with one person and you cheat it because you're doing shot work and you don't need everyone if someone's not in the frame why even bother touching them right interesting um you know i'm sure you know working in games obviously isn't like that you have to prepare for someone looking everywhere and breaking it yep 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 or just make 2d it's like all right i've just eliminated an entire axis (laughs) you're now limited to like your possible possibility space exactly um yeah, that's 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 interesting. Uh, it and it's interesting how you know you describing it as as shots, right? Because you know you're all this borrowed like film ter- terminology and parlance. Because like when I think of a shot, you know there there's an origin point, right? There's the traditional camera, but for for motion capture, it's a, an array of cameras, like we said before. So when I'm thinking of a shot, it's not you're capturing a specific image; you're capturing basically the the pose that they're having from all these different angles, right? And then afterwards, you are making the the determination of where the actual 
frame is going to be. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 is where previs is really nice to have or storyboards because then you know how you're trying to frame it. So you know you could, in theory, put them wherever you want in on your motion capture stage. You could put them way in the corner for God knows why, and maybe it's just a shot where you know, like maybe like I guess if you've seen the movie Deadpool, it's like the whole like here's the superhero landing part. Like if it's just that pose where she's on the ground like with her knee up and everything, mm-hmm. you could put her way out in the corner. And say, all right, well, we're just going to zoom in real close to her face there, even though you just had her standing there. It really doesn't matter. You know, when you set up all the motion capture cameras, so you have to do this calibration that lets the cameras all kind of know where they are in relation to each other. So you you kind of wave this thing around, and you it's basically a, a stick with more of the markers on it, and you wave it around like a figure eight as you walk around. And after a while, all the cameras say, okay, I... I see where the mar- I see where the thing is. I see how it's moving, so I know the pr- trajectories of the markers, and so it can say like, okay, these are where my buddy camera is next to me, and this is where all the cameras are. And then after you do that, you have to say, all right, you have to take another thing. It's it's usually like a T or an L shape, and you have to put it down and say, this is the quote unquote origin of the volume, and so you have to define what is the zero zero point of your mo- your motion capture stage. So that'll that might change based on what you're doing. And then after you define the origin, you know, you might you put out some more markers and you just kind of put them randomly around or you can put them, you know, staggered however you want it. And that's defining where the ground plane is specifically. Like like the origin will, you know, it kind of will orient it because it understands what that's you know, zero zero point. But then when you set the or the ground plane, it knows like, okay, maybe it just snaps like a fraction of an inch because it it recalculated based on multiple markers where the average point was. So if we did things, so I, you know, I worked on my senior film. I also worked on my, uh, another friend of ours, Alex's too from school. Uh, it's an RTS game. Check it out called Iris burning. It's a hashtag sellout. But, um, <laughs> I did, uh, some motion capture on that. So we did runs, you know, a lot of run cycles and stuff. And so the way we did that was we brought a treadmill down from that we had in the building, we brought it downstairs. And because a treadmill, you know, it's like, four or five, maybe six inches off the ground to the top of it. If we put, we had to reorient all the markers and everything on top of the treadmill so that it thinks that interesting. that's the, the, it thinks that that's the ground, even though you know it's not. It's just, it's faking the software. So you don't need to do that. Obviously you could, you know, do it in post and say, well, let's just move them on the ground and blah, blah, blah. And we'll snap the feet and all that jazz. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if you, all you have to do is just change the orientation of the ground to fit that, then that's your run cycle. It's a lot easier. You still have to clean it, but right. point being the same. I'm sure the animators appreciate that more too. Where they're like, "All right, where'd they set the origin at? Why is he floating a foot off the mm-hmm. ground?" All right, let's, let's edit all this because I was also yeah. curious why you would have to set an origin point at all, um, just because I would imagine distance distance front wouldn't matter even if you had two or more actors on the stage because aren't you capturing their their rigs separately? Because so couldn't you just like push them closer together if you wanted to or spread them farther apart? Well, with optical, this is this, this. So this, what I've been talking about is optical motion capture. That's like the retro reflective optical right, is the yeah. other word for it. And so if you have the two guys in one scene, you can, you know, theoretically, you're not capturing them independent of each other. They're in the same scene together. Their data is there together. If you have, you know, I don't know, wrestling and you have like, I don't know, a couple guys do a dog pile or, you know, they all fall on top of each other or something like all those guys are in there together and it's going to be a mess because all the markers are on top of each other. But they're all in the scene together. And so you can, you, if you want, you can pick and choose which people's, you know, stuff you take, or you can throw it off to the side. But, you know, as in reference to your question about the origin point, um, the idea is so that it, it has to do a lot with, uh, pipeline, I suppose, because, you know, maybe different projects. So, you know, for instance, like you unreal engine four, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have experienced it at all. Uh, Unreal Engine 4, X is, X, positive X is quote-unquote forward, I believe. Okay. All right, yeah. I believe it is. But, you know, if you're in Maya, you know, it, the coordinate system changes. And then if you're in your motion capture software, you know, whichever one you use, maybe your coordinate system changed again. So you just went between three different programs. So you have to define that origin so that, you know, even if it's different, the person down the line can say, okay, I know on the studio you know, positive Z was this direction. And I know an art engine or whatever that needs to equal, you know, negative X because it's weird. I don't know. And so they know how to offset the data. So like on a film set, for instance, you might, you know, if you're doing a, I don't know, huge scenes like Warcraft three, the Warcraft movie. And I'm 
you know, they had some huge sets, like football fo- football field size sets for just motion capture. You know, obviously they'd move the a- they'd move the cameras around with the actors to an extent, but the point being the same, like it's really big. So you set up that origin so that they know how to reorient it later on when they have to restitch everything together. So that's that's kind of why you why you do that. Huh. Now, I obviously I'm still new, so my explanations might not be the best, but it's the idea of it. When your coworkers get listed, it's like, ah, I got it's all wrong. Yeah. Just sit you down, I'm gonna give you an hour lecture and Hey man, it'll give me it'll give me something more to learn. I'll take it. Right. Yeah. Trying, That's- uh, especially because it's my first job. It's like I'm really trying to like learn all I can because, you know, if what if something happened and I wasn't here in a month? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's also like both a kind of a good and bad thing that, you know, you're in the Bay Area because, I mean, there's plenty of studios down there that I'm, you could at least speak to um, about uh, potential other opportunities. But uh, but you're also in the Bay Area and it's super expensive, I'm sure, even though you're kind of farther yeah. out than, than the center. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's super expensive. here. I don't like it. It hurts. <laughs> it, it hurts. Yeah, I bet. But. I do love 2K and it's it's great over here. So you know, I hope I don't have to go looking for anyone else, especially not anytime soon. I'd like to stay here, even though it's expensive and everything. I'd, I'd like to stay. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about you're talking about like learning more. Um, and it's interesting here you talk about your experience in SCAD. So it sounds like SCAD set you up rather well to be you know prepared for your professional life. Um, I will speak to only myself on this because like. You know, I mentioned earlier, I wanted because I wanted to learn art, so I wanted to learn as many things as possible. And like most art schools, it's very important to say that you really are going to get out what you put in. Right. You know, if you put in tons of hours and you're trying to take all these classes and learn all these things, like you're going to come out knowing all those things and, you know, having a good setup. Like I was like, you know, I could give my motion capture, I could do my film and say, these are all the things I did on it. Like I also, you know, I had done a, my film, which was motion capture. I did some f- some face capture just shots, you know, a couple. I also did a, like a, I don't know if you know what a virtual camera is. So that's where like, essentially you have like a camera, uh, you have like a prop camera that you're holding with like a screen on it and you're moving it around the motion capture volume and you can see like through the screen, like oh, this is what you'd actually see in the 3D scene. So I could like look through like this fake screen while I'm walking around the studio and see, like, okay, this is where the cave is. This is where this guy is. This is how he jumps and stuff. So I did a virtual camera, and that was really awesome. I didn't get to use it as much as I liked because at SCAD, it, it is a very small, relative, relatively speaking, it is a very small mocap studio. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, really cool to do and really awesome. And I think just because I, like, spent so much time, like, I made my own face camera rig because, you know, we didn't have one at SCAD. So I had to make my own. My dad helped me with some of the metal work on it. But, you know, two of us, I mean you know, we had to make it ourselves to work with a GoPro. Like all these things that I put extra time into to make myself or do myself. And I think that really, I want to say that helped me more in the end than anything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to imply that, you know, that you obviously didn't contribute. Um, but right. And, and, and it's a, it's a weird thing talking about that, talking about like, Hey, did school prepare me? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all about like going in with whatever expectations you might have then coming out and be, prepare to change your expectations and yeah you know i've i've you know i have a, a degree in business and degree in computer science but i originally started with a degree in art and it, you know it's 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 so weird and you know you talk to every different person you talk about they're gonna have a different opinion on like of, of school and, and how it did or didn't prepare them and what they did and how they had to overcome and how they had to supplement their education right. but at the very least it, it does um it's cool that that scad you know, has a mocap studio that you can go to yes. and, and and take advantage of um, to improve the specific art form that you want that you want to be your professional career. Yeah, no, that, that was it was definitely an awesome thing about SCAD, you know, and like we said, it's you know, it really is what you know, you're gonna get out what you put in. I mean, that's always what it comes down to. You know, if you don't go in expect if you're gonna go in expecting like, oh, I'm gonna get everything because I'm gonna be so smart when I finish, like you're not going to learn. Yeah. It's just, you're going to be like, Oh, why didn't I learn anything in this class? It's like, well, because you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, uh, we have a motion capture studio here at VCU as well. We have, we have one that's for the arts. Um, it's in this, uh, um, it's in this 
building called the depot, which used to be uh, the Broad Street train station, um, if you're familiar. I mean, obviously you're from Chester, so I'm mm. going to assume you have a, a vague familiarity with Richmond. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know I'll know terms and stuff, but I might not know exactly like, you know, the corner of the street and right, the street right, right. and stuff. Yeah, so it, it's on campus, and so it used to be this old busted down uh, train station that then turned into, I think, like a, uh, a glassworking studio, and then they turned it into... And then VCU just bought it like VCU does for everything mm. anywhere near campus. And they turned it into a, a an art building. Um, it's a really, really nice building. And they have a mocap studio like down in the basement or down like the first floor that they allowed us to use because uh, we hosted Global Game Jam there uh, mm. uh, this year, in January of this year. Um, and I think we're going back there next year. Um, but so there's that one, which I assume is for the art school because it's an art building. And then there is one over um a couple blocks down that the uh the exercise science um department uses for mm. like capture for medical purposes oh yeah, yeah and so that one's really interesting because i've used that one um because my uh former boss uh when i worked on campus her husband was getting his phd in exercise science um and he needed to study he needed to do motion capture for people uh for the purposes of basketball related injuries. So, oh, and this, I'm, I'm now I'm realizing that this is also relatable because basketball basically, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, so my mocap suit was only my lower body. Um, and so they had all of the, the reflective nodes on there and he would at, he would have me do like different, uh, jumps and stuff. So he'd be like, Hey, all right, do a, a, a standing jump from this position. And then, you know, pretend you're, you're shooting a basketball and then, all right, now I'm going to have you stand on this platform that's like five feet off the ground. And um, I want you to jump off the platform and land on this pressure plate on the floor and while also capturing this basketball. So he was measuring both what how my legs were articulating and then also the force at which I was, I was hitting the ground because I was landing right. on this pressure plate. Um, and so that I was... And then he would show me the footage afterwards, like, all right, and this is what it's just, you know, two legs without a torso just mm. bounding around. Um and then and then one note, and then there was a point where like one of the notes broke, and so like that part of the 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 leg was was missing and it freaked out for a second. Yeah, that's pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, what's your what's your best uh uh rig freak out story? Back when I was doing my senior film, we were doing some, so this was even before I think I started my film. I was just doing tests because I was still relatively early on with motion capture. And I, I did, um, so again, this was, I had some Warhammer models at the time that I, that's why I ended up doing the film the way I did. But I was like, let's just do it in the studio. And so, uh, so we could do this thing called live streaming. So you would be taking the motion capture data directly, directly from Vicon Blade, which is the capture software, to uh, Autodesk Motion Builder. And we could stream the data live, so I could put the character into Motion Builder on a projector, and the actor could walk around and see themselves as like a seven and a half foot tall space marine, you know, walking around the volume. And so one time he walked like to the corner of the volume and walked back in, and because he did that, like it freaked out and reassigned where some of the markers were. So both of the knees like turned around backwards, like Xavier <laughs> Renegade Angel. He could walk around the volume. That was probably one of our funniest moments. It's pretty good. Like like that's like breaking enough where it's 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 still understandable what's going on, but still like this is, this is oh, incorrect. Yeah. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. That was probably one of the funniest things ever when the knees like turned around backwards, but the rest of the body kept going. Right. Um, and so, so the point is to, with the reflective nodes, like you're capturing basically the skeletal structure, right? Like you're doing joints and then like the shape of, cause I remember when they did it on me, it was like tip of the knee and then at the hip. And I, or I, th- I want to say there was like, two points on my hip that I was capturing to capture mm-hmm. like the width of my femur. So at SCAD, we, you know, we used the, uh, what do you call it? the, I guess the default Vicon like setup, but um, obviously every studio is going to have the proprietary system. But generally the, the idea is generally the same. It's that you're putting the markers on parts of your body that are quote unquote rigid, you know, so you don't want to put it like on like, you know, a really part that's really going to jiggle or something move a lot. Or like loose clothing. You want to put it like, you know, if you're going to put it on your elbow, you're going to put it on the sides of your elbow because that's not going to move. So you're capturing like volume of the person essentially, like, you know, how thick maybe their elbow is or their wrist or hand. And you're capturing like when they turn their elbow, it's it. So you have to do this, what it's called, we call it the dance. It's like a ROM. It stands (laughs) for range of motion. 
And so when you do the ROM, it um you're you have to move in all these certain different motions because it's the way of making your body bend in certain ways so that the software knows how to calibrate where different parts of you are at. So when you bend a certain way, it doesn't know that, you know, it doesn't know that your forearm is out in front of you to the side. It wouldn't know that. But what it what it calibrates, what it does know is that, okay, so the human body is this way. So if you move your you know, if you move your bicep and then make an L shape with your forearm and then flap your hand down, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. That's a that's a bicep and a forearm and a hand. I understand how that moves. So that's kind of how it's calibrating it. That's like the easiest way for me to explain it, I suppose. So it's not it doesn't know that that's your skeleton, but it knows that's how your skeleton moves. Right. And it kind of works backwards, I suppose. Interesting. Right. So it's not so the the mocap the 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 volume that it captures is not specifically the the rig that the animator would use like did they have to do some tweaking after like obviously tweaking to like make sure the shape is correct but also isn't it's it's separate than like an animation rig yes so what this would be like you would apply raw motion to your character so the when i say volumetric i just mean like so that maybe some guy down the line needs to know, like, why does that marker look off? Oh, I see. Because his, you know, the outside to from side to side of his elbow is maybe like, I don't know, three or four inches. He had a really big elbow, maybe. <laughs> and they can say, like, okay, so that's about the this inside of his... guy's got big sh- elbows. Big yeah, old elbows. he's got really big elbows. So for some, like, maybe somehow they know, like, this guy's forearm is a certain size. So then they can say, if something feels off when they're cleaning up the raw mocap data, this is still raw mocap. They can say, all right, well, we remember his arm was about, you know, about this size. So the marker should be here or should be moved over a little bit when he's cleaning it. You know, maybe it moved. Maybe, you know, he swung his arm really fast and the Velcro came undone and it, you know, it kind of flapped off, but then like slapped back in. But like maybe a couple, you know, centimeters off. So it's so that they know that. But then when you would do that, you would clean that data. And then you go through a process called retargeting. So this is what you would do in Motion Builder, for instance. Um, So what you would, you're essentially taking just a blank, your blank basic skeleton from your motion capture software. And you're putting it into uh, Motion Builder, like I said, where you have your character now. So maybe your character is like, let's just say it's a basketball player. I mean, we're even on the topic, why not? So then, you know, maybe this basketball player, you know, maybe he's like a foot taller than the actor. Maybe like, you know, maybe his arms are like a a lot longer. His legs are taller. Like he's just all around like a much bigger, lankier guy. So you have to say like, okay, you know, so this is the process of retargeting where you're taking, you're retargeting that original bone joint data onto the new one. And so it's having to extrapolate it based on the fact that this guy has longer limbs and is a longer body. So it's trying to interpret that data. So like maybe, you know, and a good example that I always did, you know, especially with the Space Marines, for instance, because they're huge, you know, if I put my hand on the center of my chest, the Space Marine is barely reaching to his shoulder because the arm is just shorter. Like this, the proportions are all different. So that's part of this, you know, this thing is, you know, where does, then this is, you know, going back to Andy Circus again, you know, how much is he doing when he puts his hand on his chest, whereas the actual character's hand at, and then what does the animator need to do? Like, okay, maybe I needed to move his hand like six inches forward more because it couldn't reach. And that's where that disconnect of, you know, who's doing the work is coming in at. Is it the actor or is it the animator because they had to, you know, move the hand further or something? Right. Interesting. Do you um do you find that uh, it's easier to talk to people about motion capture and um in animation this way now that like VR is becoming more prominent just because you know VR is doing kind of a more rudimentary version of motion capture in a lot of ways uh, when people play VR games um not I mean I, I don't really know because I never really bring up VR when I talk about motion capture that much you know if if someone has experience with VR and I, I already knew this beforehand I could say oh it's kind of like when you do this with your oculus or your vibe or whatever right and then they kind of get it a bit more. But generally, I've never used that when explaining it to anyone before. Because that's immediately why I thought when you brought up the, the virtual camera thing was just a VR headset. Is that you're just pointing the, the camera around. If I'm understanding how you explain the virtual camera correctly, that you're just looking around and you're just seeing a, a view into yeah. the, to the scene. Yeah, a virtual camera would be very similar. The virtual camera itself would be very similar to VR headset. 
that that one that's probably a better comparison than the actual like i suppose body data because obviously the body is a lot more complicated than a little point that moves around sure but you are seeing a lot of people trying to use the very limited data that they have with the two touch uh controllers in a headset and using that to animate an entire body so the example i know of is um is like uh, Foo VR, which is Will Smith's thing. He does like an interview show and they don't do just like the floating head and the floating hands to represent an avatar. They do a full body, but they still only have the hands and the head as the data. So they basically have to do all of this assumption animation uh, and it's all, you know, algorithmic the way they do it to kind of do the rest. So like early prototypes of his like interview show where it's all in VR is him like sitting down and his like elbows are his real big elbow. His elbows are like pointing inwards and stuff because they like they're not understanding the proper like uh, bending points or it's not colliding with his torso in the proper way. So, yeah, we, we actually have been I've been doing some re- I hadn't really gotten to work with VR at all. While I was at SCAD. I just never got the chance. But, uh, you know, since then I've had a little, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with some stuff and it's really interesting, like what you're mentioning, the way they do that. Cause there are, uh, I guess just plugins, I guess that's really all they are is plugins or software that you can purchase for, you know, whatever software, or you can get development kits yourself. And essentially it's what it's doing is like, and I don't know, you know about IKs, right? Like inverse kinema kinematics, uh, vaguely. Yeah. I mean, basically, like, so what you're talking about, it would know where the head is and then where the touch controller is. So it could make an assumption, okay, most likely there's, like, a line drawn from his approximately a location down the shoulder to that hand point. And it can say, all right, this is about how long it is. So that way, if he brings it in closer, it knows to, like, bend the elbow automatically. Right. And and then height is knees and stuff. It's, it's really interesting. It's really cool. Obviously, I haven't gotten to work with it very much myself, but... You know, you like spend a lot of time because you're, you know, a nerd on the weekend. And you're like, I'm going to look this shit up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, super curious how animators deal with such a limited data set and try to do an, a close approximation. And obviously they're trying, they're, they're much more exaggerated. Like they have an idea of like the host's, you know, body type and, and height so they can, they can make his torso the proper width and everything. So all that stuff is probably like, like you're saying, like uh, hand keyed or hand, hand uh, modeled, but uh, the rest of it, they're doing it algorithmically, so it's interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's really cool, and you know the animators like definitely deserve a lot of credit. And you know that that was definitely one of the big disagreements that me and Alex had is you know motion capture versus hand keyed animation. You mm-hmm. know, like I think it, we we brought it up when that new World of Warcraft cinematic came out because Blizzard you know does amazing work, of course, on their cinematics, and but I'm sure you know it's generally pretty known that blizzard doesn't use any motion capture and if they do it's extremely minimal like they hand key everything and so me and alex are like you know i'm like come on blizzard do motion capture and he's like no don't and so then you know it's like well should they or shouldn't they should anyone use it or should we stick to hand key animation and i think it you know like and this is going to be like the answer most artists would probably give motion capture is just another tool to use for whatever situation you're trying to do. So, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of places will do direct one-to-one, like, all right, here's our mocap data, put it on the character, clean it up just so the feet and hands work and boom, it's good to go. But if you take the time, if you like movies, if you take the time to really like, you know, take your animation, really exaggerate it and, you know, do all the stylization that you want to do, like you get beautiful work. Uh, to that point, and Michael, I think this is going to be my last question for you. Uh, what is your favorite example of motion capturing games right now? It could be a 2K game or it could be any game in the industry. Just what, what have you seen that is like, oh, that's like just an amazing amount of work in that motion capture? I mean, what I've seen in a game or what I've seen like in terms of like behind the scenes or type footage type uh, stuff? In a game. So I meant like you, you weren't able to see their behind the scenes work, just, you know, the, the, the end product. Mm. Um, shit, that's pretty tough. I know, like, I I really enjoy the games where they do like full on facial performance captures. Ah, I know what it is. So, regardless of how people feel about the game, um, you know, it wasn't the greatest game. It was a gorgeous demo, tech demo, graphically. Still, probably one of the most gorgeous games on consoles is Rise Son of Rome. Okay, it was a launch title for Xbox One. Yeah, got a lot of flack because people are like, "Oh, it's just QTEs. It's not a fun game." Blah blah. blah. But it's still probably one of those gorgeous-looking games on consoles. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the game just did some amazing technical improvements in terms of having, you know, the actors they did and the scale of set and everything they did. So I know, like, when I look at it offhand, I see some of the more bigger sets, obviously not, like, just the smaller things that I think is really cool watching how they do. I also have a thing for Ancient Rome. So seeing all the Ancient Rome and mocap stuff and the guys got, like, you know, knights and shit out is, to me, is really awesome. And that's for games, I would say. You know, films and cinematics would be a lot different. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember when that, that game came out and it, it was a very, very striking game, like dice or Naughty Dog level of, like, fidelity. Yeah, I, I think, I you know, and people don't realize how many games are motion captured, so... You know, even when they're like, oh, the animations are bad. It's like, well, that's actually a guy walking. So you're just nice. You you just made fun of some guy walking. <laughs> that nice. like, guy just can't walk right. Like, what are you? Yeah, I know. Like, dang, man, I'm sorry. He like lifts his leg up a little higher than you wanted. <laughs> it's like a military trot. Just up, yeah. just just knees to knees to chin. Yeah, no, it all all the you know, and then all the military games do awesome stuff. I, I like different games for different reasons when it comes to like just motion capture, like you know, I like crazy fantasy games. I like seeing the guys do crazy stuff. Like, you know, the newer God of War doing animation and stuff. It's pretty awesome watching the really cool, you know, swings and stuff they're doing. And, you know, versus like Call of Duty, which has got guys holding guns and they're all running out on stage and doing a big set where they're like tackling people and whatever. And, you know, it's different for every product. And I, I love the art form. So I love seeing it being used very well. Like, I know it sounds super nerdy and it might sound like very, uh, Whatever, man. You're on a video game podcast, like. Yeah, true. That's not what I meant by nerdy, but I mean, like, just saying, like, I know the way people might look at animation a certain way. Like, I think it's really awesome. Yeah. I don't want to sound like the PR response. That's what I wanted. Right. Uh, well, Michael, it's been awesome having you on. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for bringing me on. You know, I had a great time talking about it, and it was an awesome time. And if you ever want to talk more, you know, feel free. Let me ask me some questions. Definitely, I definitely want you and uh, Alex on the on the same show. Um. Um, so when he's not, uh, feeling ill, uh, yeah, when, he, when he's feeling better then another very controversial, like issue happens in the industry, you know, then we'll, we'll go on again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it, I give it two days uh, maybe until something happens. Um, but yeah, definitely. We'll definitely, uh, stay in touch. And, um, if you're ever out here, um, yeah. uh, visiting yeah, family or, or whatever, uh, we'll, we can have you on then as well. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe we can grab a bite or a drink or something too. It'd be great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Um, so for the audience, uh, special announcement: no podcast next weekend. <laughs> Very special announcement: no podcast next weekend because um, we are doing Ludum Dare, doing a game jam next weekend. Um, so no podcast, and then uh, sometime in December we're doing Game of the Year. We haven't hammered down the date, but uh, yeah, keep keep abreast of that. Um, you too, Michael. Keep abreast of that. Michael, is there any is there anything you want to uh, share in terms of like a website or a Twitter handle or something where people can find you? Uh, no, I don't. I don't use Twitter. I still don't understand it. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's for the best. I think. I think. I think it's it's head stay. I think it's done. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I use my social media to talk to other close friends, but in terms of reaching me, uh, I just you know I have my industry website and that's about it. My pro- portfolio website and I haven't touched it since I got this job. So. It's a little behind. All right. (laughs) Well, sounds good. Thanks again, Michael. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a great time.